This podcast on the Cersei Institute Podcast Network is brought to you by the Templeton Honors College. Do you want to delve into the world of J.R.R. Tolkien and ask what role fantasy literature has to play in our faith? Or maybe spend a few days discussing the relationship between faith and politics? If that's you, then come join the Templeton Honors College and the St. Basil Institute for Orthodox Thought and Culture and their two programs for high school-age students this July. Check out the courses Confronting Dragons for the first week and Politics in a Post-Christian World for the second week. There's only a few spots left in each program, so head over to templetonhonorscollege.com slash summer to apply today. Again, that is templetonhonorscollege.com slash summer. We are here on the Mason Jar today with an old friend of mine, Dawn Garrett. Uh, so you've probably seen, if you are in the Charlotte Mason community, you've probably seen Dawn um, here and there about the internet and a different, um, she, she really pops up on several different places. She has a blog, Lady Dusk at blogspot.com. And um, for years, I didn't even know her name was Dawn Garrett. I just knew her, that she was my friend, Lady Dusk, that really um, romantic name. Maybe we can talk about that in a little bit. And then, um, and, and she, and when I quit blogging, Dawn took over um, a, a post that I did every Wednesday called Wednesday with Words, in which um, I would quote, I would just use that as a day to quote other writings. And uh, Dawn took that over and she's done a great job and she's moved it off the blog and on to Instagram, and on Instagram, you can find her in the very popular Charlotte Mason IRL uh, 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 group, uh, which is Charlotte Mason in Real Life, and we'll talk about that today. She helps out behind the scenes in several um, groups with Scully Sisters. She does a lot of work behind the scenes, and um, I hope to be with her um, soon um, at a conference with those girls, and she also helps out behind the scenes with our good friend Pam Barnhill, who has just released a book. So I need to get in touch with Pam and talk to her. But um, anyway, um, Dawn is here today. And one of the reasons I wanted to have Dawn on the program today is that um, she's been through a lot of changes in her homeschool. She's had a lot of seasons of life. And I thought it would be fun to look at someone who's been at it a while and who's made some changes and has, has done things differently over the years here and there and, and just get a big picture kind of of what it's like to live this life over over a long time with an open mind in, in some way. So um, welcome to the podcast, Dawn. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so excited to be here, Cindy. Now, you were just at Cincinnati at the Great Homeschooling thingy. I was just at the Great Homeschool Convention in Cincinnati over the weekend. I gone. I figured out this year that I have been to every single one of those, which is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I always I always like to commiserate because I love Cincinnati so much that um, whenever anybody goes there, I'm a little always a little bit jealous, but um, I, I go there frequently myself. Yeah, I don't usually end up seeing much of Cincinnati just inside of the convention hall. But yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. Col I've been to Colorado several times and basically I've looked out the window and seen, <laughs> seen it from the, from the building. So um, I'm going in a couple of weeks here. So hopefully maybe I'll get to see a little bit more um, on the that trip but you uh, now now how many children do you have I have three children okay um, they're 13 12 and my youngest will soon be 11 um, wow so. so they're like boom 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 you can you can make quick adjustments to things with I, that age group yeah this is actually so far this has been really the best group of ages they they're 
pretty independent with a lot of things and it's, they're just a lot of fun to talk to. So I'm, I'm enjoying this a lot. Yeah, you're going to get to learn, get to move into those years where you can learn a little bit upper level, uh, talk, have have almost adult conversations with people. Uh, and their girl, are they all three girls? No, nope, my middle is a boy. Oh, middle boy. Fun for him. Oh, yeah. boy. So does he get bossed around a lot by his sisters? Um, he does <laughs> a little bit and he definitely takes umbrage with it, especially when it's the younger sister. But um, we we work on everybody working together and some days are harder than others. Yeah, yeah. I know boys, um, it's always interesting for me to see a boy in a, a girl family as, as opposed to w- with our daughter being in a boy family. Um, that's just a totally different kind of family. (laughs) It is. So have you homeschooled your children all all along? We have. We actually decided to homeschool before we got engaged. Um, That was, you know, kind of one of those things that we said that I was looking for was somebody who was willing to homeschool. And uh, my husband was all for it. So that was part of the plan. Wow. That's, I've heard several, you know, as, as, as this movement ages, it, it's kind of weird now. We're starting to see people in their 40s who were homeschooled as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now we see you, you're in a family that decided to homeschool even even from the very beginning before you even had children. And we did too. We, we did not um, get married um, knowing anything about homeschooling. But before our children came along, we had decided that we would homeschool them. So, um, so here you are, all, all this... Um, did you have a philosophy that you started with or did you just dig in and start learning? And, and, and was the internet around at this point? I guess it was. was it? So the internet was pretty young. Um, I started blogging in 01, but I had worked for, I don't know, did you ever hear of CompuServe? It was a competitor yes, to AOL. Yeah, I think I had CompuServe in my so, home at one point. Okay. So I worked at CompuServe and was involved in their forums, kind of, so they were kind of before the wide open internet happened. Um, and so I've always had kind of that sort of outlet since I've been an adult. And um, so when blogging started, I was reading blogs and I was really interested in um, particularly reformed blogs at the time because we were working on becoming reformed in our theology. And, um, and then I started to find some homeschooling blogs, which was really helpful as well. I didn't really have an education philosophy until I had a baby. Um, <laughs> I had, so I, I, my degree was in education. And so I was like, oh, well, this will be no problem, right? Right, right. And then I had a baby and somebody um, handed me and I'd kind of heard of The Well-Trained Mind and I read it within a month. (laughs) I, I read the whole thing and I thought, oh, this is perfect because I definitely had some expectations that I wanted to have highly academic and um, really focused and, um, I mean, it just spoke to me exactly what I thought, oh, this is perfect. So I did that and I went to my first homeschooling conference in Pennsylvania within like three or four months. So, okay. That, and that was the very, my very first homeschooling conference was when we, when we lived in Pennsylvania too. And that was huge. I mean, that ended up growing to be, well, I don't know how it is compared to today's um, curriculum fairs, but at the time it was quite 
interesting to, to go to that building and see all that stuff, all the stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Getting to get your hands on the things you'd only read about and kind of see that there were other people who were normalish, you know, right, <laughs> that, that, that right. were like me that were wanted to do this and um, hear speakers and um, I, I really, I enjoyed the experience a lot. I went with a number of friends from my church, a lot of the families in my um, congregation homeschool. So that was a big part of it too. Yeah, because it is really isolating. Well, that's good Your church in your church. If you're out there all by yourself and all of a sudden you go and you meet people and um, what is it? C.S. Lewis says, oh, you too. I thought, you know, I thought I was the only one. That's such a wonderful experience to have um, when, when you, when you're homeschooling. And then even when, as your philosophy begins to develop, to find other people that are also thinking along the same lines that, that you are thinking. So you started out heavily involved in the well-trained mind. Mm-hmm. And um, did you, had you heard about Charlotte Mason at that point in, in, at any time? Um, no, I hadn't heard about Charlotte Mason, really. I mean, I started to, in some blogs, I started to hear about her, um, and I was reading The Common Room, and I was reading a couple of other blogs that I was starting to hear that there was this alternative, and I was reading the Well-Trained Mind forums, and some people were saying, well, we're Charlotte Mason, and this is what we do, and then I started reading... Um, your blog and Brandy at Afterthoughts' blog. So that's really, those were my introductions to Charlotte Mason. So, so do you, do you consider yourself now, do you fit in any camp or are you, or how do you, what do you consider yourself now? Um, do you, I mean, you hang out, you're in a lot of Charlotte Mason um, groups and do you consider yourself a Charlotte Mason homeschooler, would you say? At this point, yes. Yes. Um, oh, yes. Uh, so we made it through the first four years or so, and um, and I was feeling like I was trying to do too many things at that right. time because I was taking ideas from these Charlotte Mason people that I thought, oh, these are wonderful, and kind of wishing that I had started there, but I still kind of felt compelled to stick with what I had decided at the beginning for some reason, mm-hmm. um, and... I just kind of broke, I think is uh, the best way. And I was yes. just like, I, well, have to, I have to choose one horse to ride. And I went, oh, no, that's horse. awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that in the homeschool community, that's really difficult because we do have so many ideas coming from so many places. I think the reason I distilled everything that I was hearing from every place down to Charlotte Mason was that she was the perfect distillation of every idea that I was hearing from everywhere. I mean, it all came down to um, the best things and each thing were things she was already saying. So if, if you, if you really settled there, it was the easy place to settle. If you, once you, once you trusted that it wasn't, I don't know about you, but did you at first think that Charlotte Mason was kind of fluffy, a real lightweight program? And so I had read the one book very early on, and then I read some other things from some Charlotte Mason practitioners. And I, yeah, not maybe not fluffy, but really disjointed and disconnected and all over the place almost. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. I don't think that's kind of the direction that I want to go in. But um, as I watched over the ensuing years, I was like, 
Hmm, I'm not sure that was the best representation for what this is. And um, and my heart longed for the the living books and the nature study and the more relational between the ideas and the people and the people and the ideas and and it just it made more sense holistically than it did the you know just reading the practitioners. Right, right. I guess in a way, um, we, the way some people look at Charlotte Mason is almost like a romantic Victorian view of childhood. And that's not, if you read her writings, it's not at all what she is promoting. She's far, so far from that. And right. yet, um, that's, that's what it comes across to many people is we have this um, beautiful, um, nice go outside and pick flowers and walk around and you know and and that and it's just so much so much deeper than that and so much more um in tune to who we are as human beings um that to, it, to all of our humanity it's not just the academic and mental aspects i think is what i failed to recognize when i was reading i mean when i was reading i really felt like we had to, we had something to prove, first of all, that we were homeschooling, right. even though, you know, we were well into the next generations of people who were homeschooling. I still felt like we had to prove that we could homeschool. Um, and so it was very definitely academics driven, the decisions that I was making. Um, and Charlotte Mason speaks more to the whole person. Um, and, um, and I think my fa one of my favorite quotes is, it doesn't know how much the student knows, but how much he cares. And I felt like we were losing the care. Yes. This is so, this is absolutely critical in, in so many ways. I mean, because now that I've moved over into homeschooling other people's children, I'm having to articulate to parents or other people around me why I would choose to teach a child in this very outside of the norm way. Um, and, and, and I find it difficult sometimes because for one thing, I've been around people so long that understand where I'm coming from. And that was what was so helpful about blogging. It taught me, it, it really taught me how to form arguments and form, just to be able to communicate with people. And I find myself having to do that again now um, to mm -hmm. say, okay, you believe that this is what education is. And I'm trying to tell you um, that it's something different and you have to have kind of have faith. So how can I help you to see what I'm saying? Uh, you had a quote, um, you're actually, you're, uh, and I don't mean to get off track here because, but I want to read this quote and, and I'll just come back to this later. You're going to have a, a, um, a conference in July. Karen Glass, before she comes to Cersei, is actually going to go to Ohio and do a little thing there. But um, you have a quote on the page where you at the wildwoodcommunity.org that I just love. And it's from um, the story of Charlotte Mason by um, Essex Chumley. I always have to pause before I say Chumley because it looks <laughs> it looks like it says Chomondely. <laughs> yes. But um, on this quote, it says, on my arrival at Ambleside, I was interviewed by Miss Mason who asked me for what purpose I had come. I replied, I have come to learn to teach. Then Miss Mason said, my dear, you have come here to learn to live. And, and more and more that has just struck me that this is, it's so much harder and so much easier than we think, because what are we doing with our children? We're teaching them how to live and, and how do humans learn? I mean, how do I, as a person learn? We, we like to think 
our children learn in some mysterious way that we just plug it in and it all happens when we know that that isn't how we learn the things that we wanted to learn in life or needed to learn. Uh, we, we learn them because, you know, we chose to learn them or we wanted to learn them. Sure. Sometimes you have to study and buckle down, but usually it came about because you needed that to live. You, if you, even if you wanted to be a doctor, it was a decision you had to make. Nobody really, um, can be, do those things without making the decision for themselves that that's what they want to do. And um, it's to, to, to set up a school in the way that causes the child to see knowledge and that knowledge itself is compelling. It's so free, but it's just so hard to communicate. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to communicate to the students that yes, math is freeing or yes, the history of this thing is uh, is freeing for you and you still need to learn it because, you know, yeah. we're going, this yeah. is what we're going you to have study. <laughs> yes. So it's not just that you're convincing parents, but you're also trying to inculcate that same care in um, yourself because yes. you're the teacher and in your children um, because that's what they need to um, to perceive truth, as my friend Jennifer Dow says. Yeah. I always get sad when I hear someone say, oh, I don't, I don't like math or, I don't, or a student especially, but it makes me so sad because that was me. I was that person. And now I know that math is a lovable thing. And um, I just hate that. I, it's so hard to communicate that love to the student. Um, it is. It is. Finding, finding the beauty in it is the first step in that, but sometimes that can be a challenge in itself. Yes, it is. Finding the beauty is, is and, and sometimes we just have to have a little faith. You know, it's faith. What is it? We can't see the beauty, but we have to believe it's there. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, teaching our students that is, you know, a challenge. It's a challenge to get them to have the faith. Well, <laughs> and, some days, have. and some days it's that long haul where they may not see the beauty today or tomorrow or this year or even in two years, but maybe someday. And we just have to trust that in the long run, they will see the reasons and the beauty for it um, and keep going. And that is where, the, once again, Charlotte Mason comes in with the short lessons. We don't right. bonk them over the head and kill them with something that, that we want to see as beautiful. We have, to, we have to very delicately handle the subjects that we're teaching them in short lessons so that we aren't killing it to death every just, time we come to it. Just like the dandelion they bring us to put in a vase and... Yes. In our, in our kitchen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, those little dandelions. And, and they really are beautiful when you get right down to it. Even they though really they are. My, um, my little student the other day, he just kept, he was so excited. He's not even that little, but he was so excited. All the dandelions had gone to seed and they were in the little, you know, and he was blowing off the seeds and walking everywhere. And I thought, everybody in this neighborhood is going to hate you. <laughs> Um, yeah. But he was having a great time. He was actually using it as a, a soothsaying thing. Will my dad take me somewhere? If all, mm. if I can blow all these off, then um, it will. He will take me, and if I don't, <laughs> he won't. So um, I said, "Well, that I, that was a fun lesson on you know talking about the Greeks and and their um, the way they always turn um, those questions around into to soothsaying type uh, right. situations." Yes. But, so, um, 
so you, so what about yourself now? All these, all, obviously you're well, you've educated yourself over the years as you've, as you've moved along through, uh, um, through this progression. Um, how, how have you continued to educate yourself? Oh, there's so many different ways. Um, there's conventions. I've been to a number of different ones, mostly the GHC, but um, opportunities like the Scully Sisters Retreat or going to Kindred, where I finally got to meet Cindy Rollins, which was very exciting. Yes. Yeah, that um, was really fun. Yeah, or so different conventions. Um, there's a group of moms. There are probably four or five moms in my congregation who are all using AO. I told them all, I said, I wish I'd started here. And so they did, which is amazing. Oh, right, right. Um, and so we have a CM reading group and we use Brandy's Start Here, Brandy Vensel from Afterthoughts Block. Um, we used her Start Here program and read through, you know, for the children's sake and, and blog posts and um, volume six with that. Um, reading other books on the subject, whether it's something from Karen Glass or something about education, um, re continuing to read blogs. And the one that I think gets discounted the most is, um, but is one of the most vital is reading along with my students what mm -hmm. they're reading. Mm -hmm. um, I really feel like um, right now, I feel like I'm just reading Ambleside Year 7, Ambleside Online Year 7, and it's, uh, it's and hefty. I was going to say, it's not dumbed down for you. I mean, it's for, no. for the student, it, it's plenty. I feel like from Year 7 on, any, even a college student would find the, the reading challenging. There, there's quite a lot there. Yeah. Um, we're, we had uh, an event today, and so we were doing audiobooks in the car, and I had decided that we would do Beowulf as an audiobook mm. and Ivanhoe as an audiobook. So we listened to Be the chapter of Beowulf on the way there and the chapter of Ivanhoe on the way home, and um, so, so good. Um, and yes. So, so helpful. I, all of the... I don't know. Who but, are you using? What what audio are you using for Beowulf? Um, it's Seamus Haney's translation, yeah. but it's but his audiobook is abridged, so it's the whatever the unabridged Seamus. Oh, okay, is. yeah. BJ, no, B.J. Harrison was the Ivanhoe. I can look, um, but but even just hearing, you know, all of the alliteration that Haney used in his translation, mm -hmm. or um, the way that he did ideas. And I'm not sure that before this, I realized that they talked about God and the King of Heaven mm -hmm. um, in Beowulf. I thought it was older than that coming to the island. So I'm going to have to do a little bit more study myself. Wow. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Narrated, narrated by George Gadal. Oh, yes. yes, he has a good, he has a very regal voice. I enjoy his... Um yeah um, his audiobooks so well that's so, interesting yeah yeah I think I had the Haney one but you're right it was a bridge and I'm not sure why an author would agree to do that but I guess they twisted his arm and told him I, he had perhaps to, or, perhaps <laughs> we had I'd listened to the samples and my kids were like oh we want that one and then I saw it's like two hours shorter I'm like hmm, sorry that's, yeah so so continuing to just read classics on your own is is so important when you're a homeschool mom because you don't want to be so immersed in educational philosophy and um, kind of the 
infighting that happens within a philosophy sometimes mm-hmm. that you forget the big picture of what all is out there. Even if you're just reading Jane Austen and Dickens, you're going to be expanding your room, not closing it in. Oh, that's very, very good advice. So, um, so you think there's infighting? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that was a joke. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's such great advice that if we get outside of our own little um, quagmires of thought, maybe, and, and um, read some of these great classics, and even get out of some of the modern, there's... I can't, I always say this, but, and I feel like so old, but so many times a book, a modern book is, people really rave about it. You go to read it and I don't know what it is, but there's just something missing in some of these modern books that you, and when you get to these older books, maybe it's just the richness of language or um, just the way they turn a phrase. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm always slightly disappointed. And a lot of times modern books will be really good page turners for the first quarter, thir- three, three, two thirds of the book. And then they just don't have a way to end. But um, yeah. And, and I think the ideas are not as, I mean, sometimes the story is really engaging and the words are really engaging, but there's nothing to get your teeth into like there is in some of the older books now are all three of your children in the same year of Ambleside since they're so (laughs) close they are and I I always qualify this this is against the advice of the Ambleside online advisory (laughs) um, because it is so because we came to um, AO and Charlotte Mason late we had always been doing everything together prior to that, and I had good readers, and um, we had we had been using, like I said, we had been using um, Ambleside Online as that infamous book list, and pulling in some of the books to supplement our other work, and so it it was almost impossible for me to drop somebody back. Also. I probably would have only been able to drop one child back a year mm-hmm. um, if we had done that. And that would have been the child who would have most felt being dropped back. Right. So there were a number of different, I talked to a bunch of people and I prayed about it and I, I looked at the, looked at it and, um, and I brought all of my children in. We came in at year four um, and have stuck with it. And like I said, we're starting year seven. We started on Monday. So we've done two days of year seven or three. And, um, and she's been able to keep up mostly this year. I'm trying to, I I'm using the substitute for Churchill and just trying to watch and make sure that she can keep up with the volume. I'm quite Mm -hmm. confident she can keep up with the reading. It's just the volume of it that I'm concerned about. But so far, we're going to see how it goes. Right, right. Um, well, now, did, let's, so when you went to Ambleside the first time, I, and I think this is a question, a lot of people are just totally overwhelmed when they go over there. And, um, but like you said, you, so you went over there first as kind of to get an idea here, to get an idea there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in a way that, did you think that that acclimated you to the website and you started to get the feel for it kind of slowly and then you were ready to just dive right in? Is that how you think that happened? Or did you ever have any frustration? Like, I just don't understand what all this is and how it's all working. Mm. <sighs> I I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I I don't really remember having any issues 
figuring out where I needed to go to find the things that I wanted to find. Right. Um, so I, it just, when I got to year four, I figured out I had to, I printed everything just because I needed okay. that tactile. So I printed everything for the year that we were going to do. And I went through it and read all the footnotes. And I just tried to make sure that I had myself fully immersed in the ideas that we were going to be studying so that I could, so that I could do it. But I had to have that tactile with my pen and my highlighters and stuff. Right, so right. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. I think it's, um, so, so you're, so you're having this conference in Ohio in July, in mid-July, the 12th and 13th, and you're going to, this is in Columbus, is that, is that correct? Yes, it's in Columbus at Grace OPC Church is going to be the location for it. Um, We're calling it the Set Your Feet Retreat because we want to help people set their feet in that large room we've talked about a little bit, and um we uh, have Karen Glass coming, which we're very excited about, and she's going to talk about narration. And we have, and, and lest people think that Karen is easy to get, because now we have two conferences where she's speaking <laughs> at. That is not true. This is all that we're going to see of Karen for a while, and yes. um, it's pretty amazing that that she's speaking at Cersei, and then she's going to be speaking um, right before that, real quick. Um, I tried to get her to come to Chattanooga afterwards, and. Yeah. Um, she she's booked up she can't um she she's not going to be here very long so she she didn't have any more time but um so that's quite if you want to hear karen glass and your options are probably um this little conference in ohio i I can say little conference i don't know it's good we're we're trying to keep it little for sure so um it's um exciting that she's able to fit us into her schedule yeah, that's wonderful. Now, when you at the conference, you're going to be talking about scaffolding. So yes. what is that? <laughs> what do you mean? When you- <laughs> so scaffolding is an idea that a lot of people talk about in the Charlotte Mason community, but it's not something that Charlotte Mason herself really discussed. But it's really about how you put together a lesson um, so that you are providing the support for your student to be able to apprehend the ideas um, or even so that within your curriculum, which I'm very happy with how things are put together beautifully that support my students from Ambleside Online, um, but it gives them the illusions a little before. Sometimes we find them in the readings or very close to at the same time. but scaffolding is, it, it, just imagine the scaffolding you see on a building. It's got um, firm support on a foundation. It has plumb lines going up and a level place to stand so that you don't have to worry about all of the background support while you're adding to your, the, the bricks to your building, right? Mm-hmm. So our students are adding ideas to their minds, um, and they can do that knowing that they are safe standing on the on on even several le- levels up because it's got a sure foundation beneath them um, and they know they can take the ideas and add them safely and so they the ideas on their building will be level and smooth and make sense okay um, so well that's a cool idea that's a good i mean it's a good metaphor for looking at um how to to prepare the child for for the reading without actually being interfering with what's going on with the child and the material right and so so a trick that you can use is if you have even if you've only skimmed it you can write 
say the proper nouns on a whiteboard and the child reads it and then they have that whiteboard with those nouns to help help them with their narration that's that's scaffolding within a lesson right yeah it, it, they have sometimes those names wamba is a weird name for us today but it's the name of the fool in ivanhoe mm, that's uh, right so okay. have having that there helps to jog their memory oh yes they discussed Wamba and what he wore in the first chapter, what he wore, what his job was, how he was a serf unto, under Cedric. And, and it gives them just, just that little bit of support to help to restate and to, to imitate the story. And, and to remember the proper nouns if, if they so need to remember them or want to remember them. That's right. very helpful. That, now, do you do that? How often do you, do you do that for all the readings? Since you're, you're doing all three of your students together and you're basically able to prepare for all three of them at the same time. Do you scaffold ever all their reading? Um inconsistently um and some some of it no because it's just you know it's a continuation the next day but but you can always say remember before you start your reading think back what happened in the reading the previous day or the previous time um and and having that cue also is a scaffold to the next section okay we read about um julius caesar landing in England and what happened there, what's going to happen the next time, the next time a Roman comes to, mm -hmm. to England, um, that kind of thing. Right, right. Um, well, that is really, really fascinating. Um, and I think I, I, I wanted, to, I've noticed that too uh, locally here with our um, Ingleside tutorial. They do a lot of scaffolding in that way. And it's really challenged me to make sure that with my student that I'm giving him just that little tiny boost up there to help him understand um, what it is we're reading and, and how that goes. Um, now, I don't know, if, do you know, um, what are you, as we, as we wrap things up here, um, uh, is there anything else you want to add to any of this? Is, are, is there something that you, I don't want to oh, skip something super important. I just, I, you, you talked at the beginning how you wanted to talk a little bit about how it's okay to change. And I, I just want to, not only is it okay to change, it's okay to be a beginner. It's okay to start something new and say, I'm, you know, I'm doing Charlotte Mason now, but I don't know everything about Charlotte Mason. I haven't even read all the books, but the, I, I, I'm learning as I go and I'm taking ideas and bringing them into our homeschool as we go. That's okay. Um, and I think a lot of moms are afraid to be a beginner. They mm. feel like they have to be an expert from day one and you can't be an expert in Charlotte Mason from day one. You can learn from experts. You can um, read and listen and and uh, and get new ideas and get new supports yourself. Um, but it's it's okay to. I think Brandy Vensel said the the only idea she got out of doing um, Charlotte Mason the first time she read Volume One was they needed to go outside more, and she did that, and then she read it again and got another idea. That is, mm -hmm. it, we, you need to be be gentle and kind to yourself too and be willing to be a beginner if we had if if we had a way to, to pass on to one generation to the next 
um, even with classical education and Charlotte Mason, all these things, these are really not one generational things. See, right. I, I mean, I'm at the same point so many young moms are. I'm still learning and I'm still making adjustments. Every day when I go to teach, you know, I'm still asking the question, how can I do this better? How, how can we do our nature notebooks better? How can, we, how can I make sure that my student really understands uh, th this reading better? Um, how much should I read to him? I'm still adapting as I go. And, and when I go to conferences and, and I hear people, I'm still applying it. And I know just from the way my life has gone, that even when I don't have a student, I'm still applying this, this to my life, as, as, you, as that quote so um, perfectly points out. So, um, so I think that's the really good word that we, that there's nothing wrong with being a beginner and, um, we can't, we can't be experts. Uh, we, we're, we just aren't, we're not experts. <laughs> um, I'm not an expert and, um, you know, I'm basically, uh, just pointing the way to the, the, you know, how did I work out my own salvation in this area? And this, right. is, this is what I did. That's, um, yeah, that's a little bit about what we do. You introduced the, our Charlotte Mason IRL group, and that's a little bit about what we do there. We say, this is a topic that we'd like to discuss this week. How do you work it out in your, in real life, in your home? What are the what are the principles and philosophies and how do you, how do you practice them? And it's different in every home. And, mm -hmm. and you can take ideas, you can leave ideas, you can say, I don't think any of that will work for me, but this gives me the idea to do it, try it this way. And it's okay to try something for a little while and say, you know what, that was not the best choice for our homeschool. We want it, we need to kind of find another idea and try it a different way. Mm. And that's fine too. Yeah. So, so Charlotte Mason in real life is on Instagram and it's Charlotte is, it, how do, how do you find it on Instagram? It's the at symbol so at charlotte mason irl and it's a group of eight moms who all are practicing charlotte mason in our homeschools and we take turns curating week by week we give a theme for each week and then invite the community to share and then we reshare the posts from the community we aren't trying to be experts we're just trying to give people a scaffold to stand on as they're trying to reach out into their own homeschools and this is how it looks in different families. Right. Um, I love that. I think that's there's such freedom in that. And if we don't have freedom, then then there, <laughs> I don't even know what we're doing because <laughs> um, we have to be free in order to learn. I mean, we, you just don't learn in an environment of of, of, of bondage. Right. So um, that that's fantastic, Dawn. Well, um, so let me ask you this: Besides, you're reading some books in year seven. Are you reading? And that's plenty. If, so I'll just ask you what your, all right, I'll ask you this first. What is your favorite book that you're reading in year seven so far? Do you have one? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I'm very excited to read Churchill. I said, oh, yes. my, I, I was a history ed major. I'm really excited about these secondary grades school like that. Yes. So this is a, I tell people this is what I was working those elementary years for is for those conversations and this, like this age. I'm so excited. Um, so I've read the first chapter of 
Churchill's Birth of Britain, and it is phenomenal. It is. It is. <laughs> so when, that that's probably my favorite at the moment. When I when I met David Hicks for the first time, I know that sounds like I I, I love saying things like that. <laughs> I just nonchalantly say when I met David Hicks for the first time, that he asked me. I was saying how much I enjoyed his book, and he he's the one who recommended the Churchill books, and I think that's where the Ambleside. Um, hmm team got the the idea but David said the first thing he said was did your children read Churchill and what did they did they did they love it and I said they did and they 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 did love it and that made him happy that he had you know talked somebody into reading those books (laughs) and really he's talked a lot of people into reading them (laughs) absolutely that is the book that I'm substituting from my youngest one though um we're using the Arnold Arnold Forster a history of England and it is beautifully written as well just a little a little less. So. Right, right. Well, and yeah. there's a time. Um, I found that some of my children, um, those those books became um, seminal in their lives. That that, mm-hmm. that was the book they oh, they wanted to, the next volume. It was never twisting their arm. And some just some of the kids just read them because mm-hmm. they had to, and maybe some pretended to read them and didn't read them. <laughs> but um, I know that at least for uh, two of my children, those books. Um, really became um, close to their hearts. Now, are you reading anything fun for yourself? Am I reading anything fun for myself? I um, just finished Mansfield Park again. It's my favorite Austin. And I decided to pick up Persuasion again because it's actually the one I had the the hardest time reading. Yeah. So I think the beginning of it held me back for a long time. So I'm I'm back into Austin a little bit because... um, somebody challenged me to are you sure Mansfield Park's your favorite I read it and I read it and I said yes I'm quite sure Mansfield Park's my favorite which is I was about to say Mansfield Park I've not heard that as a favorite in in a while I think it's because um if you love Fanny and you understand Fanny Mansfield Park is Fanny Mm. um and I've been thinking about this recently so that's that's why. Um, and I love Fanny and I can a little bit identify with Fanny. Okay. So, um, okay. It makes it. Yeah. I don't identify as much with say Lizzie. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess. Well, um, and in persuasion, is it Anne? They, is her name Anne? You, yes. at first you just feel so sorry for her. It's hard to like her because. Well, and it's her- such a bleak picture. You're just like, and well, bless her heart. She and just- it starts off with her father and it's kind of a long chapter about how awful her, you know, or how boring her father is. And I'm like, yes, really? Yeah. Are we going to get past this? And it just took me a long time to get there. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in the end it's uh well, that is wonderful. Yeah. It's so exciting to read all these books and we, and you, it's fun to, they're like old friends and we, yes. we can just keep coming back to them and learning new things. I, Emma used to be my favorite, but I, I, I think I've uh, overdone it and now I'm, <laughs> I've got to move on and it makes me feel immature when I say that to people. So well, Emma's lovely though. <laughs> I just, it, the, the humor in it just really is fun. So um, yes, uh, but all of them, I, I, I've never been bored for a second reading Jane Austen. She's wonderful. <laughs> So, yeah, that's good. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the Mason Jar. I've enjoyed talking to you. I'm so excited that we find, we got to meet in real life after so many years of just being uh, virtual friends. Yes. So. That's, it's such a great community to have, but it's always fun to meet people in real life. Yes. I've had, I have a few meet people in real life horror stories, but oh. um, for the most part, it's been uh, really wonderful, <laughs> especially <laughs> in the early days of the internet. Yeah. Um, there were some weird people on the internet. <laughs> they came to my house. But anyway, that's um, for another day. But um, anyway, um, so, well, thank you very much. And I hope I get to see you soon. I'm actually going to talk to my husband about uh, heading to Ohio. Ooh. My sister lives down the street, and I, I, I'd get to visit with her and come to the conference. So That would be really quite wonderful. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Cindy. I've really enjoyed it.